We're going to be continuing on with our sermon series, reading through the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is all about salvation. The book of Jonah is all about how God loves each and every person that he has created. He loves each and every one of us and desires each one of our salvation. And it's about how the Lord will not leave anybody who loves him in return behind. God is faithful, and he will make sure that all those who would love him or will love him hear the gospel and respond to it in salvation. As we read through the book of Jonah, God loves Jonah, and he's blessed him with his message of salvation. God loves the sailors on the ship that Jonah gets on and brings suffering to. God loves the people of Nineveh, which he is sending Jonah to. God wants to save every person, and so he makes sure to send messengers with his gospel that all who love him may respond and be saved. Now, when I was learning how to preach and stuff, I was watching all these pastors who I really like and uh, excellent pastors, and I noticed that a really good pastor, what they'll do is they will use something that people who don't love the Lord love. And they will use a movie quote, they'll use a funny story, something from a book, and they'll really connect with people who don't love the Lord, and they'll start talking about things that they love, right? They open a sermon, they'll say, you know, this week, the football player said this, and then the movie quote was that, and then this, and they'll show all that, and they'll connect with people who don't love the Lord, but love football, and love movies, and love our culture, And I try to emulate that as well. It's a powerful thing. You connect with people with what they love, and you try to use that as a transition. People who don't care and don't love about Jesus, and you hook them with what they love, and then you try to explain to them the love of God and then why they should be listening to this sermon and not thinking about when the football game starts or not thinking about their entertainment or pleasure time later or whatever it is they really love. You try to then distract them from that and point to the Lord and say, look at the Lord and how good he is. And this week, I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to start off with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And instead of starting with what you love and then trying to get you to pay attention to Jesus, I want to let you know if you don't love Jesus, you're going to hell and you need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to ease into it because it's not something to ease into. You have no idea how much time that you have on this earth. And I was reminded of that this week. We lost a beloved congregation member, and you know, a few weeks ago we came, and Tammy was here, bringing her grandkids to church, and now she's not. And thank the Lord for His gospel. Thank the Lord for Jesus Christ. And if you love football, that's great. Football's wonderful. If you love things of this world, that's that's fantastic. God made this world for us to love. He made this world as a gift for us. But if you love these things in place of the Lord and you don't love Jesus Christ, you're going to hell and you need to know the Lord. You need to be saved. And I think of all the things that I can preach on, 
And every week I open the Word of God and I look and what am I speaking on today as I go through books of the Bible or passages of the Bible? 19 out of 20 times, it's about our sin and his salvation. And I sit here and I think I preached about this last week and the week before and the week before and the week before. And I think, are people going to get tired? I wish there was more in here about your finances, right? I wish there was more in here. Like, invest in this. When the Fed prints money and does that, then you invest in this, and you make sure that you take out the mortgage when the interest rate is low, and then don't pay it back, and use that money to invest in stock, blah, blah, blah. I wish there was a lot more on finances, because finances are super important, and it's on our mind. And I wish that I could give you more financial advice from God's word. But interestingly enough... Our finances are not clearly not as important to the Lord as our sin. And so we care about our finances. And he wants to save us. And he wants us to trust in Jesus. And I wish there was more on parenting because I have all these kids and they're all different. And I wonder, how am I going to reach this one? And how am I going to reach that one? And how are we going to do behavior modification in this situation so that that stops happening? And I look to the word of God and, and there's, there's not a lot of psychological parental advice for parents. Because as important as parenting is, and, and trust me, parenting is very important to the Lord. Clearly, what's more important to the Lord is my sin and his salvation. And 19 out of 20 sermons is about the same thing. And I think, well, it'll be nice to get to something else. And then I go home throughout the week and I last about five minutes. And if you're not spiritually blind... You last about five minutes until you identify some sin in your heart. And I last about five minutes, and it reminds me why almost every passage in this book is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I need it every second of every day. And here we're going to be reading about the gospel of Jesus through Jonah, that Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the grave to give us eternal life. And how when we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, we are made right with God. We are made whole, we are cleansed, and we are saved. And through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, we are made right with God and we are given eternal life. And Jonah didn't know all that because he lived before Jesus. Now in the Old Testament, they didn't do this. What they did was they slaughtered animals to remind them of the sacrifice that sin cost. And they took the animal and they brought it to the temple and they slaughtered the animal and its body was broken and its blood was shed and they were reminded of their future salvation. And as we read through the Old Testament, many prophets correct the people as they get confused and they say it's not the sacrifice of the animal that saves you, it's the Messiah that will save you and the sacrifice points to the Messiah. And so in the Old Testament, they're actually saved the same way we are through faith. Habakkuk tells us that the righteous will live through faith. And what they're ceremony was, what their religious uh, reminder was, was the sacrifice of animals, which allowed them to look forward to when the Messiah would come. Now, we in the New Testament, we know how we're saved. We know how the Messiah has saved us. We know how Jesus saved us. And so when we look back, we don't sacrifice an animal anymore. What the Lord has given us is this bread and this wine. And we're not saved through this. We're saved through faith in Jesus. And our, what we just did, we look back to the Savior. And so we know more than Jonah did. His message is simpler. 
but it's still a message of faith in the Lord. And we know it's faith in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's his death on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the grave for our eternal life. And what makes a church a church is the gospel of Jesus. The wisdom of the Lord is incredible, and there's a lot of it in here. But there's not a single part of it in here that you can't find somewhere outside the church. You can go to the Boy Scouts and have an emphasis on service and sacrificial service. You can go to the marital counselor and they will encourage you to be faithful to your spouse. You can go to the financial planner and they'll remind you about good stewardship. And what makes the church the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That makes what we do right here different than a TED Talk. If you want excellent advice on living, you can find it in a TED Talk. You can find it in the universities where professors will stand up and try to get you to excel in whatever gifts you have to make this world a better place. And what makes the church the church is that when we get together, we have the gospel of Jesus and none of these other places have it. And this is the only place you'll hear it. This is what makes us different than a feel-good television show or an inspiring TED Talk or a softball team with camaraderie. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And without the gospel, without the gospel, we are formed by Satan and conformed to this world. And with the gospel, we are formed by the Holy Spirit of God and conformed to Jesus Christ. And what makes a church a church, what makes a church unique is not the location, the comfort of the building, the quality of the music, whether or not the sermon is engaging and entertaining and keeps your attention. What makes the church the church and the church unique is the people repenting of their sin and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. It's the people repenting of their sin and realizing they are made whole, cleansed, restored, renewed, born again, given life through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And the effect of the church when the people do that is that the people have life. And what's more important than connecting with what you may love today that you were thinking about on your way in, whether it was your finances or the culture, whatever it was, what's more important than connecting with that is connecting with the Holy Spirit of God which comes to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When we look to the Lord for our salvation through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave and put our faith in that, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. And as much as we might love the things of this world, nothing compares to the life that comes with Jesus Christ. And I hope you have a lot of things. I hope you have finances that are in order and a a comfortable home and a reliable car and a family that loves you and all of those things are wonderful gifts 
from the Lord to enjoy. But the most important thing in this life is that you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the most important thing that you can have is life that comes through the Holy Spirit of God. Because if you have the life that comes from God, it doesn't matter so much anymore if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you didn't get any engagement in your last post online. It's not so important whether or not people like you. It's not so important whether you're succeeding in your career because what you find is when you have the life that comes from Jesus, you've got inevitable, impending victory. And if you don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be succeeding in your career. You can look great. People can think you're great. But without the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. And with the gospel, we are formed by the Holy Spirit and conformed to Christ. Without the gospel, what people do is they look to a culture or a subculture of people, and they trust that culture, that those values will make them good, and then they rebel against any opposition to that culture, and they're conformed to that group. And what Christians do, what makes the church different, is we don't look to a culture or subculture. What we do is we look to the Lord. And we place our trust in him that he is good. And then we rebel against ourselves, because in our sinful self is the opposition to God. We don't need to look to the world, which is going crazy, to find the presence of evil. The bad guys aren't out there. We could wall off this building right here and spend the rest of our lives with each other and we'd find that we've got plenty of evil right here. And we're capable of all the evil that we see out there. And so we look inside to rebel against ourself and our sinful self, which is an opposition to God. Without the gospel, we become just like everyone else who either loses hope and accepts defeat and that they're doomed or begins working difficult, working hard to try to be good enough. And instead, what we do is we look to the Lord for he is the only one that's good enough and we accept that salvation is a gift from him. The gospel is the most necessary thing in the world. It's what makes Christians different. There are many people out there who don't know the Lord who through whatever sort of motivation are a better person than I am. However, what makes me different is that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and being formed by the Holy Spirit and conformed to Jesus Christ. And it's a gift. Salvation is a gift of mercy and of grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something that you 
deserve. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. And the Lord has shown mercy on me. What makes me different is the Lord has shown mercy on me and that I won't receive the punishment that I deserve for my sins. What would be just is if the Lord made me pay for those myself. But instead, he's shown mercy on me, and then he's given grace to me, and then I receive what I don't deserve, which is his salvation. And that is God's desire for every single person that he's created, every single one of us. His desire is to show us mercy, to show you mercy, and take the sins and the punishment for the sins upon himself so that you don't bear it. And his desire is to show each one of you grace and give you salvation and wholeness and being made clean that you don't deserve. And the only one who deserves that is Jesus. And that's what the book of Jonah is all about. And that's what the Bible is all about. Everybody in the book of Jonah responds positively. It's the most encouraging book of the Bible. Everybody gets saved. The sailors are the first people to call out to God in chapter 1, verse 14. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish. Jonah calls out to the Lord in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. And I would say Jonah is saved through this experience. He was a member of a community which said that they were God's people before. He had a knowledge of salvation, but through this experience, it seems like he's been saved. Chapter 2, verse 8. He cries out to the Lord. He stops doing things his way. He wouldn't follow the Lord's commandments before. He didn't love the people that the Lord sent him to, and he didn't love the Lord enough to do what he said. But by the end of chapter 2, Jonah calls out, and he's saved, and his life is made different. And the people of Nineveh today, we're going to read as well about their response. Begin reading in chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. And so as we start, we see that Jonah needed a second chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God told Jonah to go talk to the people of Nineveh because he loved them and wanted them to be saved before. And Jonah rebelled against the Lord. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went as far as he could, as fast as he could, the exact opposite way. And the specific commandment of God that Jonah had rebelled against was to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, of faith in the Lord and salvation. And imagine if that were the end. If you were God and you wanted to save an entire city and you wanted somebody to go tell, and you told somebody, this is the easiest evangelism opportunity you'll ever have in your life. All I need you to do is to go and give them the message. And that person rebelled, you would be perfectly just and right in holding that individual completely accountable. It is right and good for the Lord to hold people accountable. 
God is the source of all good things. When we reject God, we reject, essentially, all good things, whether we understand it or not. That is the weight of what happens every time we break the Lord's commandments. He is purely good, and he has told us what to do, and we've said, no, I like evil more. And imagine if that were the end. I worked at the Federal Reserve, and it was a very, uh, it was a very important job. They had these tellers that would come, and the tellers would actually get locked into these glass rooms because there's so much money going around that no human being could be trusted with that. And so the tellers would be locked in these rooms. Armored cars would pull up to the side from banks and dump the money into these rooms where it'd be counted and given to a robot to go put in the vault. And the tellers could not come and go. They'd get locked in there, and when they'd be in there, they'd be locked in there till their next break. And I worked in the cash department, and one of my main roles was reconciling accounting to cash to make sure that what we thought we had, we actually had. And I would watch these people get there for work and get locked in, and they would get fired on a regular basis because it was so important for them to be there on time because the armored cars can't sit out there waiting, being a target, and the supervisors can't go back and forth and make sure to be locking and unlocking, locking and unlocking, locking and unlocking, trying to keep track of everybody because no human can be trusted with that. So the main role of your job as a teller was actually more important than even being there, uh, counting the money, was being there on time. We'll catch it if there's a mistake in the counting, but if you're not there on time, the whole thing breaks down. And being downtown Minneapolis with a foot and a half of snow, people would regularly be late and get fired one after the other. And it was like one chance and you're done. Or maybe two, whatever the policy was. It didn't matter if you worked there for four months or two years. You got fired that second time. And the bank was right to operate that way. This is the job. We have to do it. If you can't get it done, we've got to find somebody else. It's too important, and there were no second chances. And following God is exactly that way. The stakes are so high. This is the job. You follow good. You reject evil. If you can't do it, you're done. We can't have that here. The box that that opens is too serious. And imagine if that were the end. Jonah's failed the Lord. But the book of Jonah is about how God loves each and every person so much that he wants to save us from sin and evil so much that he's willing to give people a second chance. He's willing to give them a third chance, a fourth chance, an infinity chance, a 70 times 7 times 77 7 chance. And that's the first verse of the third chapter. The word came to the Lord of Jonah a second time. And what do you need another chance from God for? What is it? Maybe you fly off the handle and you have a short temper and you fly off the handle and you yell at your family and you scream at them and you did it last week and you're going to do it in another three weeks and you know that's your issue. You did it two months ago and you need another chance and another chance and another chance. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he gives it to you. The Lord gives it to you. He's going to give you another chance. You've got another chance from what you did yesterday. 
Maybe it's that you talk behind people's backs and you know you shouldn't, but you open your mouth and it just comes out anyway. You did it on the phone on Thursday and you did it to your mom two weeks ago and you've got another chance. And Jonah receives a second chance. And the second chance for Jonah is not to earn his salvation. It's not that he failed to earn his salvation the first time, but now he's got another chance to be perfect, to do it right. That's actually not what it is. As Christians, a lot of times we think that what we are is, and everybody, right? We think that we're good people. I'm a, I'm, I'm a good person. What happened was I made a mistake. That lie is not indicative of who I am. It was just a mistake. And when I cheated on that test in fourth grade, that's not who I am. I'm an honest person. And what that was just a mistake. I'm sorry for that mistake. And I'm sorry for that lie. And when I stole, I'm not a thief. I'm a good person. And when I stole, that was just a deviation from the norm. But what actually those reveal is, all of those sins reveal is, what's in here is not good. Those didn't come from nowhere. They didn't come out of left field. They came from your heart. And if you're not actively sinning or actively aware from your sin at that moment, it doesn't mean that you're right with the Lord. There's sin in there. And when we repent, we certainly should repent of individual times that we've rebelled against God, if we can think of those specifics, if we're not blinded by Satan to not even recognize them. Yes, I did do this. Yes, I am impatient. Yes, I am greedy. Yes, I did do this thing. We repent of those things. But what ultimately we do is we repent of the sin in our heart. There is not a single moment that you are anything but wholly dependent on the mercy and grace of God for your salvation. And when you repent of that lie, it's not like God gives you a second chance to then go for and earn your salvation. All right, now go be perfect to be made right with me. An understanding of repentance is more than just that I repent of the things that I've done, but I repent of the sinner that is in here. And what Jonah has done, and I would say before, what he's done is a salvation issue. He does not know the Lord. And now he does, and he loves the Lord. And what Jonah's been given is a second chance not to earn his salvation, but to be obedient to the Lord and experience the blessings of God. And as believers, you should know that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're covered for the sins that you committed. If you're a repentant person with trust in the Lord, you're covered for the sins that you committed yesterday. You're covered for the sins that you committed today, and you are covered for the sin that you will commit tomorrow. And you're not constantly earning your salvation and losing it and going back and forth, but you have assurance of your salvation that the cross of Christ is strong enough to forgive you of what you did yesterday, what you did today, and what you'll do tomorrow. And so believers, what we get a second chance for is not to earn our salvation, but to experience the blessings of following the Lord. There's blessings in every one of God's commandments. They're not arbitrary. 
They're not just simply arbitrary to test us. They're literally the difference between love and unlove, between good and evil. And we have an opportunity to go forward and change and experience the blessings that come from being faithful to our spouse, to experience the blessings that come from being honest as an individual. And here Jonah has the opportunity to experience the blessings of sharing the gospel with other people. And that is an incredible blessing. And if you haven't been doing that, there's a lot of sins that we can have. But Jonah's sin is that he won't tell other people about the Lord. And do you need a second chance? And if you are stagnant in your faith, experiencing the blessing of stepping out in boldness and overcoming the oppression of Satan and speaking the name of Jesus Christ, that will bring you to a new understanding of God's grace and presence in your life. If you haven't felt God's presence lately, go out and tell someone about Jesus. You will experience the evil as Satan comes and tries to make you be quiet. You'll experience the spiritual battle right there. If your faith is waning, if your faith is struggling, Satan doesn't need to attack you because you're not speaking the name of Jesus. You might have forgotten that he exists. Things might be going very well for you, but go out and try to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and try to open your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus and he'll be back in a flash and you'll be reminded, I forgot that this is real. And if you tell people about Jesus... Matthew chapter 28 says, I will be with you. Baptize all nations. And behold, I will be with you until the end of the age. We had a few weeks ago, we filled out a card with someone's name who we were going to tell about Jesus Christ. Have you told that person about Jesus yet? Jonah needed a second chance. You need a second chance. Praise God that he's given that to you. I remember working at the University of Minnesota and I remember the spiritual climate of that place. I remember how difficult it was. I remember how many times I had opportunities and I wasn't saying anything. I know what it's like to need second chances. And is that you this morning? You have no idea how long the people that God has sent you to speak the gospel have. And here in Jonah, chapter three, Jonah's life is different. He loves the Lord now. Before God told him to go, he said no. But now Jonah's been saved, and so he loves the Lord that saved him. So verse three, his, his behavior is different. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. The more we love the Lord, the more we'll have victory over sin in our life. The more you love the Lord, the more you'll be able to be obedient towards him. It's a virtuous cycle. The more you worship the Lord, the more you call out to the Lord, the more he blesses you with his spirit. The more faith you put in Jesus Christ, the more you cry out to him as your savior, the more you receive the Holy Spirit, the more that you are saved from your sin and have victory. The more you worship the Lord as your savior and cry out to him, the more you receive the Holy Spirit and the more victory you have in your life. 
Believers are formed by the Holy Spirit and conformed to Jesus Christ. And here Jonah's been formed and conformed. And so he's got victory. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. And Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What Jonah probably couldn't even imagine doing just a few days before, Jonah's able to do afterwards. And if you want the truth, church's strategy is the wrong strategy. Our strategy is that we're going to show everybody that we're just like them so they'll be comfortable coming here. We should have the opposite strategy. If we're just like them, why would they come? What do we have? Just go play softball. Just go to the cabin. There's no point. We're just like you. But we're not. I'm just like them in that I'm not perfect, but I'm different than I was. I've shared before over COVID, there's nothing to do but sit home and watch Netflix and drink wine. I sat there and first we had one glass, then we had two glasses, then we had two nights a week. And we did three nights a week, and I thought, I think I need to make sure I have control over this. And so I did. I've got control. It comes to the power of God. In my life, I'm different. I'm not controlled by my desires. I'm able to control my desires by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not like other people because I've got the Holy Spirit of God in me. I've got victory. And the more I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the more victory I have. If you want that victory, don't go play softball. If you want victory, don't look for the Boy Scouts to bring it to you. The church is different. Jonah's different. Before he knew the Lord, he couldn't imagine doing something like this. And now he's able to go do it. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what, the, what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Verse, chapter, verse, two, uh, verse one of chapter two, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. In verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. That's the miracle that people have a hard time believing in the book of Jonah. I, I have a hard time believing all of chapter three. The whole city, a city so evil that they're just about to be judged by the Lord and destroyed, they all repent of their sin. They're all ready to repent. 
I think our nation is coming to a similar place. The more evil a place is, the more the people that are willing to love God look at it and say, I don't, I don't, this isn't right. I'm, I'm tired of being misled by these evil people. I want something different. And if a message of the church is, come on, we're just like you. Come, let's be broken together. What's the point? The message of the church is, I'm made whole by Jesus Christ. I'm not broken anymore. I'm saved. I'm made right. I know what it's like to be forgiven. I know what it's like to not only know the weight of my sin, but to know that Jesus is carrying that for me. I know not only what it's like to struggle with sin, but also to have victory over it. Just because I'm not perfect, and I never will be, doesn't mean that I don't have incredible victory and ways and reasons to thank the Lord for how he has blessed me, that I've gotten away from this, and I've gotten away from that, and I don't have to deal with that one anymore. Praise God for that. And the entire city of Nineveh understands the weight of their sin. And that's not the end of it. So often we can recognize and relate to the struggle, right? As believers, I'm on board. I know I'm a sinner. I feel bad about that. And we come to church and that's where we stop every Sunday. And it's important as we read the word of God to once again talk about it, once again recognize it. But that's not where we stop. It's hard as people like Jonah to go with a message of your depravity and explain that well to people and have them respond to it. And so it's often something that the church emphasizes and maybe talks too much about The more you understand your sin, the more you'll love the Lord. That's why we talk about it. That's why pastors talk about it. If a pastor doesn't talk about your sin, he's stunting your growth as a believer because the more you understand your sin, the more you will love the Lord. If you want an equation of how to love the Lord, it starts with you've got big sin. And if you don't love the Lord, the first part of the equation might be the issue. You might, you might think you got little sin. Little sin plus little forgiveness equals little love. But when you know your sin, you realize you've got big sin. And you recognize that Jesus has forgiven you. Not just, you're, not a, you're not just a great person that just needed a little encouragement. I mean, we know we're not perfect, but we're close. And boy, heaven was here. And I was like, there, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. No, I was a sinner doomed to hell. And God was completely righteous in doing that. Because of my sin, I'm worthy of ultimate punishment. And God didn't give me a little boost. The Lord brought me from down there all the way to up there. What a gift. I gave my nephew a bad gift once. I know he liked to play high school musical. 
back in the day. I walked in the store. All the high school musical stuff was on clearance because the movie had been out for a few years, and all that was left was a cereal bowl set. I didn't even think about what it was. I just saw high school musical, and it was $4. I was like, fantastic. I can get off easy this Christmas or birthday, whatever it was. And we gave him this gift, and he hated it. He didn't love me at all. Is that what you think God's given you? You were this close. Oh, you just needed a little bowl and spoon set and you were going to be over the top. I gave my, I made up for it. I gave, I, I gave my nephew, I, I won, I should explain, I'm not outrageously generous. I won a guitar. I already had one. I was like, this will make up for last year. And I gave him an electric guitar. And he loved it. And he loved me because I showed him how much I care about him. If you think the Lord has shown you how much he cares about you by giving you a little boost, you won't love him that much. That's why we talk about our sin. We don't want people to end there unless you're a sadistic, mean, evil pastor. I just want to make people feel miserable. I want to make them sit there in their sackcloth and ashes, whatever it is. feel bad this morning. I'm miserable, and so I want everyone else to be as miserable as I am. No, you want people to find the, the cleansing and find the life that Jesus brings. You want people to have the victory. Didn't talk about your sin this morning so you could feel bad. I talked about it so that you could put your faith and trust in Jesus more and find victory. Not just for salvation, but so that you can experience the blessings of being obedient now. Jonah enters the city and a detailed description of repentance is here. They recognize the weight of their sin. They call out to the Lord for salvation and they are saved. And I guarantee the people of Nineveh, if they've understood, and this is why it's easier to relate to our sin because we're always struggling with something. And we can always make our relationship with God about the thing that we're still struggling with. If you're struggling with your sin, praise the Lord. I'm glad you care. And there's blessings if you get victory in that area. But don't make your faith about the one sin that you're struggling with. Think about all the victory that God has given you in other areas of your life. And celebrate what Jesus has done in your life. Your walk with the Lord should be characterized by celebration rather than constant discouragement because you're not perfect. People who come to church usually need this message because we come to church because we're the type of people who care. Many of us are not the type B personality who are like, it's good enough. We're here because we know it's not and it'll never be and you have to have grace for yourself. Fight and seek the victory, but don't make your faith and your walk about that one thing. Make it about your salvation. Make it a celebration rather than a torturous, endless march towards perfection. And God sees the people of Nineveh, and I guarantee that if they took it that seriously to repent in that way, that when they received salvation, they were incredibly thankful for it because they knew what they deserved 
And now they know what they've gotten instead. And do you need another chance? The Lord has given you another chance and another chance. He's given you another chance every moment of your life. You're not forgiven for the mistakes you've made. You're forgiven for the sin that's in your heart. And the gospel and the message of Jonah, the message of Jonah, I should say, is not about probably what you thought about when you came in this morning. You want help parenting. The God, and then Jonah gives us no help parenting. But the most important thing of our parenting is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That as a parent, if you repent of your sin, you are forgiven. And God is good enough to trust with whatever issues you've had as a parent. Praise the Lord. If it's your finances... More important than being able to manage your finances is being forgiven for your financial failures and greed and foolishness. And if your finances on your morning are on your mind this morning, praise God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most important thing about your finances is that you know the gospel of Jesus and put your faith and trust in him for forgiveness. Jonah isn't about your marriage. It's about the gospel. But the most important thing for your marriage is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you've been forgiven. That you've been given a second chance. Your spouse deserves that. Your spouse deserves to give you a second chance. You know, there's a saying, everybody deserves a second chance. They don't. The only reason why we feel that way is that our nation was raised on Christian principles. A second chance is not what anyone deserves. What they deserve is judgment. But a godly response is a second chance. That's God's response. That can be our response. The people of Nineveh needed a second chance. Jonah needed a second chance. And praise the Lord that he's given everyone as many chances as we could possibly want. What do you need a second chance for? 